Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton. Along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're tackling what the scripture teaches regarding what a lot of us might think are slightly scary, somewhat hard to understand theological topics. But we love what Dr. Wayne Grudem said of theology, that theology is any study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today? about any given topic. And we're always attempting to do this in a way that's applicable to the lives we live. Because as Charles Spurgeon said, doctrines in the head without holiness in the life are of no service. Today, we are beginning a four-podcast study of the doctrine of pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to stop right there, (laughs) Pastor Jeff. Because already, I just pronounced a word today that has a silent P, if any of you out there did not know that already. So break down what this fancy-sounding theological term pneumatology is for us. You said it twice. I was going to make you say it again. Pneumatology. Hi again, kitchen table theologians. Okay, yeah, Jen, that's a good idea. Happy to do that. And we love doing this kind of thing here on kitchen table theology, taking these things that are an almost immediate turnoff to many folks. You know, they hear the term pneumatology, a big, thick theological word that probably means nothing to them. And, you know, we, we love to take that, define it for you and show you how important this, it really is to your, to your life as a follower of Jesus. The word pneumatology comes from the Greek words pneuma, which means breath or wind or spirit. And the, what is that, a suffix? The end of the word? Yes. Pre is at the beginning. <laughs> pre is yes. at the beginning. Yes. Uh, ology, okay, so pneuma, and then tology or ology, meaning the study of something. So in Christian theology, it's simply that branch of study that opens up and discovers what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And in this podcast season, this whole season, we're going to address the following. We're going to be talking about the indwelling work of the Spirit, His baptizing work, his filling work, and his empowering work. If you've missed our previous podcast on the Holy Spirit, where we talked about the Trinity, go back and listen to that. It's podcast episode, I think, 11 it was, and it was titled God, the Holy Spirit. Pastor Jeff, I'm really looking forward to these next few podcasts because the Holy Spirit is the subject of much misinformation, misunderstanding, and is often sometimes just ignored by a lot of Christian teaching, counseling, and writing. Would would you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely would, Jen. And maybe we could title this season in the podcast as uh, Whatever Happened to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, the church, you know, man, it, you know, it seems that at some levels we've turned away from the ministry of the Holy Spirit and instead We've just got this tendency to pursue a rather pragmatic, man-centered, psychological, progressive betterment of ourselves. You know, you have to look no further than to read some of the Christian books being published today or listen to some of the sermons being preached today. There's all kinds of advice 
being offered to struggling Christians, but rarely do you read of the Holy Spirit's work in the struggling believer's life. You know, it's like you just need to do these seven steps. These these will get you to where you need to go, and there's no mention of the Holy Spirit's work. You, you, you look long and hard to find any mention made of His power or His ministry. Little is said about walking in the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit, being yielded to the Spirit, being indwelt by the Spirit. And do you think that's because there's just so much we don't understand about who or what the Holy Spirit is? I know we, again, we talked about this in episode 11, but I have to think that we too often shy away from what we don't know or what we don't understand Mm -hmm. or what seems mysterious to us. And that's why we do kitchen table theology to help us understand what the scriptures teach regarding, again, what so many important doctrinal and theological topics teach us, but we rarely ask about. And the Holy Spirit is certainly no exception. So let's jump in and talk today about the indwelling, I love that word, indwelling (laughs) work of the Holy Spirit. What do we mean when we say the Holy Spirit indwells the believer? Well, I've got a great idea. Let's start with what Jesus said about it, and uh, that might be a good deal. (laughs) Um, why Why don't you read for us, please, John 14, 16. Sure. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. So let's just start there. That's Jesus talking. And He promised the Spirit would indwell or abide within believers, and that His indwelling would be permanent, that He may be with you forever. This permanent indwelling is not for a select few, but for all believers. So not everyone has the Spirit of God within, just believers. Right. The Holy Spirit is a gift given to all believers in Jesus without exceptions. No conditions are attached to the gift of the Holy Spirit except faith in Christ. John 7 talks about that. The Scriptures often talk about the Holy Spirit being given as a gift to believers, and in those instances, the word given means to bestow a gift. I'll give you an example. So as we are recording this, we've just come through, some might say survived, the Christmas season. So Jen, what was the most favorite gift you received this year that you were given? I got a sassy leopard print bag that I'm really excited about. Wait a minute. (laughs) Sassy, are you using that as an adjective or is that the name of the brand? It's an adjective. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Consuela is the name of the brand. No, so I got that leopard print bag. I was pretty excited about that. But I think the thing I was excited about the most, I grew up a child of the 80s, born in the late 70s, and I always wanted one of those necklaces that have your name on them. Oh, yeah. So I finally got one this year. It says Jen on its little scripty font on there. But my kids keep teasing me that I got it in case I forget who I am when I'm walking around the neighborhood so somebody can remind me. Yeah, yeah, they like to make old jokes. I think now. it's an ID necklace. <laughs> it's an ID yeah. necklace, like a dog. Man, sassy very easily, kids. easily pleased. <laughs> a, a, a necklace with your with your name on it, and my sassy leopard print bag. Well, good for you. Now, let, so let, <laughs> what about you? Did you get uh, a sassy leopard print bag? N- no. <laughs> um, this is going to sound really syrupy and corny, but really, the best gift I received was the whole crew came. For Christmas. Oh, yeah. You had a house full. So three daughters, their three husbands, four grandchildren, and four dogs. And everybody showed up by Christmas late afternoon. That is a gift. And I mean, really, that's – and at this stage in my life, you know, I I like what somebody said, you know what, there's three stages in a man's life. 
First stage, he believes in Santa Claus. The second stage, he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. And the third stage, he is Santa Claus. So, <laughs> In both stature and expenditure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the third or fourth, <laughs> I, I'm sure. But really, just to have, have them all there, we just had a great time. And to have everybody together was wonderful. Sure. But let's just say this. So you got the, you got the leopard print bag and the, and the necklace. Mm-hmm. And it, it really does go without saying that when it comes to gifts, we all know that this happened with you. It happened to everybody who received a gift at Christmas time. The only thing anybody has to do to receive a gift is simply accept it. You know, for you to receive those gifts, all you did was accept them. Therefore, because the Holy Spirit is given to believers as a gift, there's nothing the believer can do to receive the gift apart from accepting him as the gift. And in order to receive the gift, the gift must be given. So when exactly is the Holy Spirit given to us as believers in Jesus? Is this something that happens at birth or at our new birth or at a special experience of some kind? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think the question is simply answered in that the gift of the Holy Spirit is given at the moment of salvation. Ephesians 1.13 indicates the Holy Spirit is given at that moment, at the moment of salvation. The indwelling with the Spirit takes place at that moment. And Galatians 3 verse 2 also says basically this as well. Well, I'd like to go back to that John reference first. We mentioned some a little bit ago. You know, a particular word in that verse jumps out, and it's the word forever. The verse says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. How about unpacking that forever for us a little bit? Well, why do you think that's even important? Well, because I all think I've definitely fallen into this category. I think you worry at one time or another that we could do something, commit some sort of sin, and the Holy Spirit would be taken from us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that it's definitely younger Christians or maybe even some that have been walking with him for a while that we we walk around that, that as we go through our lives, we could commit some sin, even if we weren't aware of it at some given time, and God would withdraw his spirit from us. I remember singing a song and reading in the Bible that the psalm, that song was based on one of the psalms of David saying, you know, create in me a clean heart, O God, and, you know, do not take your Holy mm-hmm. Spirit from me. And I'm thinking, well, if David was concerned about that, <laughs> maybe I should be a little worried yeah, about it too. <laughs> we're all in trouble. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's really important for us to understand this. Um, some who agree that the Spirit is given to all believers, feel that He may withdraw Himself from indwelling those believers if they commit certain sins. So maybe we could say it like this. There there are those who acknowledge the Spirit's indwelling but deny the permanence of His indwelling. So there is definitely that teaching out there that if you commit sins A, B, C, and D, of course, nobody quite ever defines what they are. So, you know, that ought to be a flag. When you look at Paul's writings to the Corinthian church, you would really be excused for thinking that if the Spirit was going to leave any Christians, it would have been them. I mean, <laughs> good night. Whatever sins could cause his departure, it had to be some of the, theirs. You've you've got um, I don't I don't know what would be more grievous to the Holy Spirit among the people of God, but in that Corinthian church, you had incest. You had fornication, that adultery. I mean, that was happening left and right. 
you had believers suing one another in the public courts. But Paul never excluded these believers from the statement that the Spirit dwelt in them, even though those sins were being committed. And if you dig into that a little further, if if the Spirit of God leaves Christians who commit certain sins, that only means one thing. That means they are no longer Christians or, or wouldn't be. Now, according uh, to another one of Paul's letters, Romans 8 9, he says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him, to Christ. And then there's this little verse in Jude referring to unbelievers as being devoid of the Spirit, being devoid of the Holy Spirit. Well, so the Holy Spirit couldn't leave a believer without throwing that believer back into a lost, unsaved condition. Now, I'm not sure that disindwelling is even a word, <laughs> but I like it's a good word. But disindwelling would have to mean the loss of salvation. And I think the main argument against that line of thought is that Jesus rather plainly says, He may be with you forever in that John 14 passage. Now, to be sure, sin affects the effectiveness of the Spirit in the believer's life, but it does not remove His presence from believers. Let's go back just one second, back to that verse from one of David's Psalms, because he obviously thought that the indwelling of God's Spirit could be taken from him, Mm -hmm. or he wouldn't have prayed that prayer. So what are we to think about that? Well, you're on quite a roll here today. I'm stuck on this one point. You're you're like Miss Observation. (laughs) No, that's really good, because he obviously did think that. So let's look into that for a second. You're absolutely right. That David prayed, and in Psalm 51.11, he prayed, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And this prayer relates to the temporary indwelling of the Holy Spirit in Old Testament times. We have ample evidence that while the Holy Spirit dwelled within people in the Old Testament, it was not, there was no permanency to his indwelling to those Old Testament saints. Let's remember that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, uh, or, or I'm sorry, let's remember that the, what that means is the indwelling of the Spirit is that God is taking up permanent residence in the heart of those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. So that delineates us from Old Testament people right there. Old Testament saints could not have done that. In the Old Testament, We see the Holy Spirit coming intermittently upon the saints, empowering them for service for a period of time, but not necessarily remaining in them or even with them. And we've got numerous examples of this. Uh, In Judges, the Spirit rushed upon Lehi and clothed a guy named Amasai, 1 Chronicles 12. The Spirit was with David, we know that, and yet, because of what David said in Psalm 51, the Spirit was able to be removed from him. The Spirit fell upon Ezekiel. We don't don't have any sense of indwelling in in any of these. The Spirit fell upon, rushed upon, clothed, you know, and and spoke to Ezekiel. The Spirit, who had once been with King Saul, the uh, 1 Samuel 16 says the Spirit departed from King Saul. And when he did that, the Spirit removed his influence and his guidance from the king. So I have a guess, but but what changed? The, the Spirit could come and go in people's lives in the Old Testament, but you've been saying that his indwelling is now permanent 
in the believer's life. So right. what was that? Was it a switch that just turned? What <laughs> happened? Well, there was a time, and it wasn't until Pentecost that the Spirit began to indwell those who belong to God through Christ. So, you know, and He did it permanently. So Jesus predicted the coming of the Spirit, who would live within His people, as well as the new role the Spirit would play in their lives, in our lives. So prior to the resurrection and prior to Pentecost, the Spirit was with the disciples. We, we see this in the Gospels. And the Spirit was influencing the disciples. But he did not yet indwell them. I love this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jesus in John fourteen seventeen said to them, He dwells with you, the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you and will be in you. N- not is in you, will be. Will be, but he isn't yet. John seven thirty nine. John says, Now this Jesus said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, For as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But once the, so what changed? Once the resurrection of Christ, the glorification of Christ, Pentecost happening, during that time, when that, when all that happened, the Holy Spirit was given to us and his dwelling switched from being impermanent to permanent. And I have to think that Paul's teachings on all of this come into play as well. You know, he talked about our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit. So that points us to the fact that the Spirit resides in our bodies. So what else should we know about that? Yeah, the Spirit resides in our physical bodies. So the image of the believer's body being a temple, you know, Paul is... um, Paul's writing to a lot of Jewish people, so they've they've they're they're immediately thinking the Old Testament, uh, or they're thinking the temple that they're looking at. But it, it really is reminiscent of the Old Testament tabernacle in which the Spirit of God lived. So there, God's presence would appear in a cloud and meet the high priest who came once a year into the Holy of Holies. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest brought the blood of a slain animal and sprinkled it on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And it was on that special day that God granted forgiveness to the priest and to God's own people. And as we all know, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem no longer exists. Now, the believer in Christ has become the inner sanctum of God, the Holy Spirit, because the believer has been sanctified and forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that sprinkling has occurred, but it's occurred over us. In fact, Scripture also says that the believer is the dwelling place of all three persons of the Trinity. So along with the Spirit, Jesus Christ is in us, as is God the Father. All right, so this leads me to something that might surprise you today. And that might actually be earth-shattering news. <laughs> I, I would do a drum roll if it didn't mess up our audio. <laughs> I'm going to change my end of podcast normal question for today. I'm not going to This ask is huge. You, I, it is, because I always ask, so what? You but do. not today. Not today. I'm going to ask why, <laughs> because this is so amazing to me. Why would God, the Holy Spirit, want to indwell in mm-hmm. us? We are weak. We are carnal. We are sinful. It seems mind-blowing that he would want to do that. Yeah, why would he do that? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. No. Okay, and that concludes today's. <laughs> well, let's give a let's give a stab at an answer here. I'm only hesitating because the the uh, the purpose 
of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives is this many faceted thing. And there's almost a sense where it's a many, many faceted progression. So follow along here. First and foremost, the Spirit creates new life in believers. You know, he's, he's involved in our salvation, first and foremost. And when he's doing that, he's producing the new birth Jesus spoke of in John 3 when he was talking with Nicodemus. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, confirms to us that this new birth is real and that we truly belong to God. He also imparts to us as believers spiritual gifts to be used to build up the body of Christ and glorify God, but he's not done even there. Further, as the author of Scripture... Through the writers, you know, the Holy Spirit inspired these guys to write the Bible. He also helps us to understand what he has written and how to apply it to our daily lives. And we'll touch on more of this as we moved into the next podcasts. But the Spirit, because of his indwelling, intercedes for believers in prayer. He leads us in the way of righteous living. He produces his fruit in our lives. And he installs us, I think you could say, or welcomes us or places us into the universal membership of the church of Jesus. So let me let me just end with this, Jen. One of the indwelling spirit's most encouraging functions, I think, is to seal us for eternity by placing his own mark upon us, and that's his indwelling. So doing so assures our arrival in the Lord's presence when we die. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 talk about that. Ephesians 4, 30 talks about that. So the Holy Spirit's presence within us is the guarantee that we have been purchased by Christ and redeemed from our sins. We can never lose our position as his most prized possession. And until we die, the Spirit remains within us, renewing us, sanctifying us, comforting us in trials, uh, sustaining us through hard times and afflictions. And with the indwelling Holy Spirit, we are never alone. We're never lost. We are never without His power. Now, why? The only answer I could give you is is grace and love. And I'm thankful that we live in a post-dwelling Holy Spirit (laughs) era, because I can't imagine walking through those things that you just said, you know, it, it being comforted in trials and sustaining us through afflictions without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Old Testament saints knew him, knew of him, experienced him. He came upon them, but he never indwelt them in any sense of permanency like he does to the believer in Jesus. It brings just worship and our access to him to a whole new yeah. level of significance. Woo. Well, once again, Kitchen Table Theologians, we have much to think on and talk about and so much to be thankful for. So speaking of thanks, we are so thankful for you for joining us today. And don't forget about those episode notes. Check them out when you get a chance. These are prepared and out there for just about every podcast that we do. They're created specifically with you in mind to be that additional help to you as you dive deeper into doctrine and theology here within the Christian faith. Please check out our website at jeffcranston.com where you can find our podcast archives with dozens of theological topics to be discussed. You can also read Pastor Jeff's blog where he writes on many important issues to the Christian life. And if you haven't done so already, please consider sharing this podcast with a friend or family member who might benefit it. 
As always, special thanks to our sound engineer, Pat Nichols. Hey, Pat. (laughs) And to Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, for making this podcast possible. And thanks, as always, to you, Kitchen Table Theology Nation, for your support, your questions, and your encouragement along the way as we remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.